0: And welcome to As the Worm Turns, you are tuned in to KVNF's live call and gardening show. I'm your host, Jill Spears, and I'm joined, of course, by our gardening guru, Lance Swagger. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> great to have you here, and super excited about our guest tonight, Kate Lenihan, with Return to the Land here in Peonia. Good evening, Kate.
1: Good evening. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh. So great to have you here. We're going to learn a lot yes. tonight. I want to give the phone numbers because all of our listeners are welcome to call in, 527-4868-866-KVNF now. You can email worm at kvnf.org. Kate dabbles in relationships with local plants in all kinds (laughs) of different ways um, and local fibers. And she is um, very much into all kinds of aspects of local... Wild source dye, dyes dyes mm-hmm. yeah. and using that on um, a lot of local sourced fibers and um just incredible when you think about that I mean dyes coming from plants you think about I do mostly mm-hmm. like greens and yellows and browns, but she's brought in some samples of um, dyes that are some blues and some reds and some purples and some bright bright yellows (laughs) that are just absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. so it's kind of mind-blowing to me right now i'm just looking at it like wow i didn't even realize yeah and one plant
2: with so many (laughs) shades so i say
0: yeah sure you want to talk about this kate and um
1: get yeah, started on how
0: in. you yeah dive in
1: yeah absolutely it's definitely a visual experience mm. but uh you know we're all familiar with cloth- color on clothing and uh just that experience you know we naturally gravitate to the plants to the colors but how we wear it how we've worn it as humans for thousands of years and and navigated that uh I suppose is part of the fascination I've had and and tracked back um my studies and journey into learning how to fasten the color to clothing and just yeah where that whole uh, origin is
0: yeah it goes back thousands and thousands of years actually mm. as you get into textiles and how they told stories for cultures mm.
1: yeah totally yeah i mean it's my earliest understanding is in the the mineral dyes um probably on hides But just, like, recently, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been fascinated with, like, the redstone driving over McClure and and just what, uh, you know, what we have real real close to home. Mm
0: -hmm. But, uh,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mineral dye.
0: You can probably see it in everything out there. And as you see the seasons change, um, you just see all the different colors. And I think um, when you brought this out, you mentioned that a lot of these colors are new this summer.
1: Yeah, for me, this was a real exciting summer to just capture colors of the valley and uh, like tip of the iceberg here, but I really focused on the prominent colors. Some of them are not native plants, but some of them are being cultivated for the purpose of their color fastness on on clothing, on fiber. Um, But really, yeah, just exploring what is so close to home, what's in our small little neck of the woods here. And, and that I yeah there's just so much more right to, yeah. um, let's just start it. with that one right by you there
0: Lance it's yeah. a, a little board and it's uh, several different colors
1: yeah
0: of fabric um, several different kinds of fabric dyed with the same plant but come out in different colors
1: right exactly so this is a dyer's chamomile um, which is an example of an adjective dye which requires something called a mordant which is kind of like uh, in real simplified terms, like the the key to fastening the color to the fiber, you need this um, metal mineral salt to add to the process, and it it can control the color outcome in a pretty wide variety, up to like 30 different shades in one <laughs> plant dye. Basically, dye bath being a tea, a strong tea of the uh, like um, infusion rather.
0: Sure. So let's, let's talk about that process mm-hmm. of how you yeah. extract that out of a plant.
1: Yeah. So Dyer's Chamomile, for example, I harvested this from um, Gray Owl Garden and mm. um, just prolific, abundant plant harvested several times from this area and uh, let it dry. Did, um, so, yeah, harvested the flowers and then put it in about a two to one ratio of fiber weight to flower plant material. Um, uh, plant material being the, the higher ratio, and cooked that for about an hour. Actually, I have the, the recipes right here. Do you Simmered the plant boil material. that? Yeah, um, right at a simmer. Oh, simmer. So oh, each one is this. different on the backs of these cards. I, I just noted like uh, marigold, for example, needs a really short amount of uh, cook time, whereas matter root likes um, a few rinses and then some high heat just to extract a different levels. And this is like knowledge that's just been passed down. I'm just, you know, learning it from books and things. Um, so after the dye the bath has been made, the infusion of the plant into the water, I take the mordanted fibers, which i prepared earlier, which is in a process of soaking them basically in a mineral salt bath. So it's real simple. It's just sometimes can be overwhelming to break it down, but um, that's why I love to share the process, just like invite people in to see it and that it's really accessible. It's just kind of demystifying what the steps are to Mm -hmm. make it possible, you know.
0: Right, because when you look at your recipe here, like this is the comfrey. Mm -hmm. And we're going to cut up the leaves, cover with boiling water, soak overnight, simmer dye liquid for two hours, strain, add fiber, simmer Leave overnight. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah.
1: It's right. Real basic.
2: It,
0: it's gorgeous.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just all those steps that mm-hmm. are what are overwhelming and, at the beginning.
1: And there's no one way, and I can say this from my own like method of, of experiencing it, is that like it's just getting into it and playing with it. But really following the recipes will achieve these like really deep red shades and the deep greens. And so when you're really intentional about what outcome you're looking for, say you're doing Mm -hmm. a a weaving and you have a pattern you want to envision. Yeah, that following the the recipes of the percentages, weight to fiber, mordanting methods is really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's so much to just play with and the unexpected part is so fun
0: and this madder root was new this summer right this new, is this yeah. dark
1: new to orange, me um uh-huh. in using fresh from like just freshly dug so that was beautiful to see again matt springer's place uh, gray owl garden oh, it was the s- yeah amazing. extraordinary yeah yet. the um it was a second year plant which i guess ideally you're you're harvesting on the third year so we weren't sure how it would the outcome um, but as you can see it was really rich deep red um So that was my first time dying with a fresh root. Yeah, you can buy all of these, a lot of these dyes from dye companies and (laughs) order in the plant material, but of course we have an abundance here.
2: (laughs) This is fun. Now, what are the different um, fibers here?
1: So I have all the, the roving is from um, farmhand harvest and local wool, and then they're just wool, silk, um, some silk velvet, and cotton. And a little bit of linen. But the Mm -hmm. locally sourced stuff is the wool. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, there's a woman, Hannah Stratton de De Herrera, working on a flax project locally. So that'll be exciting to see some local flax. Flax. Yeah, where she grew a plot, is, like, doing all the steps to process it into fiber. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, these are the questions, like... What is local fiber? Yeah, to dye on? <laughs> because
0: we talk about these plants all the time. Like rabbit brush was mm-hmm. out; uh, it was off the charts last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. and totally. look at these great colors. It's um, some gold, yellow, and green mm-hmm. coming off yeah. the rabbit brush, and the elderberry, and yeah, we talk about all of these plants, and so they're out there, and this is what they're creating as a dye: buck buckhorn, buckthorn. I
1: oh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how you're showcasing all of these local plants from local f- gardens, local farms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, um, does different fiber take to the plant differently?
1: Absolutely, yeah. The and that's kind of where you get your color range. Um, yeah, and just uh, how the color shows up. Buckthorn was just another such an amazing one. That was the berry of the plant. And to get bluish greens is really unusual. Mm. Um, you'd think like all the plants would give green, but really most commonly it's like a lightish yellow. That was a question you had asked earlier, just does everything die? And I think, yes, like the, a lot of it is like the, the tanning content in the plant, but also just m- mostly everything will give like a light yellow shade yeah. at, at the minimum. So.
0: Yeah, the buckthorn here, um, there's eight different samples, a uh, variety of uh, fabrics. And a, just a variety of colors. I mean, there's like an olive green to a light teal and a and a golden. It's just absolutely gorgeous.
1: Yeah.
2: Can you get those different colors from harvesting different times? Definitely. Yeah. Ooh. So
1: like yeah. logging when and where and the mm-hmm. year. You know how you know, the moisture. There's so many factors, and it's not a huge range, but certainly mm-hmm. there's like um,
0: differences.
1: All the yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. How did you yeah. get started in this, Kate? Um, I had a fascination, probably earlier before I started dying, but with just uh, repurposed clothing and just like understanding the relationship to clothing industry. And uh, at the time, I had a juice bar and was constantly covered in beet juice, turmeric, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, colorful plants. Thinking, oh, there's some relationship, nice <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I just had the thought to um, do something fun with that, but I didn't realize uh, what like I was about to start to understand from exploring natural dyes like I just didn't even know it was a I had no concept of it even until I went right to like a a real strong source yeah (laughs) and then
0: here you are yeah it's like opening the door like whoa um, this chamomile uh piece can you speak to or which oh one the is cochineal this? yes yeah. this pink. this is one of my favorites of pinks. yeah and
1: this year in the desert oh my goodness just mm. it was extraordinary mm-hmm. <laughs> so um the the little mealy bugs you often find on um, the prickly pear cactus uh, the wild variety out there um is that what it is even prickly pear Yeah, it's a prickly pear okay, so a yeah it's a of. prickly pear and yeah. there's
2: uh large large leaf and there's okay. a small leaf
1: so on jumbo which is where i have been this last summer uh spring so there's the little white mealy bug on that on the prickly pear and you can just pick them off so i just like brought some tweezers every time i'd go out for a hike and um uh, you know thoughtfully harvested though i think it's kind of supporting the plant to reduce that population a little mm-hmm, sure. it's all relative i guess yeah but, uh, but this extraordinary pink you know just wine colored uh ex- liquid that is the insect itself but really common in like um southern like foods from latin america and like just uh a really prominent color there
0: wow yeah yeah the-
1: the shades yeah but bright magenta my daughter loves this color the most you know and (laughs) it's it's exciting to know (laughs) it's possible
0: and I just love it when you think about it now I'm gonna look at every plant differently (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. I've got this visual now that Kate brought us and I think we will be posted on the website with um, our recording it's it's just gorgeous and we are speaking with Kate Linehan from Return to the Land here in Paonia she dabbles in natural dyes and fabrics and it's really exciting five two seven four eight six eight eight six six kvnf now kate can you speak to uh, the environmental factor uh, natural dyes and why they're so important
1: yeah uh, early on this is part of what inspired me it was just learning how the dye industry globally is one of the largest contributors to uh, water pollution because there are so few regulations around the process of dying. And of course, these are like very heavy, uh, like toxic chemicals, heavy metals. Um, It's just really in line with the fast fashion movement that there's just like very little regard for how that's affecting the people in the water and everything, the animals around there. So...
2: And where's most of that industry at?
1: I would say India is a big one. Uh Um, There's some great films around. Just I'm gonna like not know the names right off the top of my head, but (laughs) like just the visuals. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, China, a lot Mm -hmm. in Asia, really Mm -hmm. like the textile. uh, Like um, yeah, yeah. Central,
0: no regulation. Yeah. Uh huh. At all. Yeah.
1: Productivity based.
0: Right, and um, to be honest with you, these colors are all heck more beautiful <laughs> yeah. i mean really they it, just are yeah. soft and they just want to make you lay your head down they're gorgeous <laughs> you yes. know yeah. yeah, what's totally. interesting is
2: you can make um from growing to harvesting to dyeing to we- the weaving the fabric and stuff you got a you got a whole you can hire the whole county. It's right. <laughs> You're right. just in this one thing. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And we've got the plants here to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are affiliated with um, Fibershed. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that organization?
1: Yeah, Fibershed is an incredible organization based out of Northern California, started by a woman named Rebecca Burgess, who is just doing extraordinary things, um, just all across uh, the world. Really, it's an international project at this point. And we, um, a group of us locally, have uh, started the Western Slope affiliate group. So it's a very organic uh, unfolding of just what that is exactly. We're still kind of trying to find our traction of how we want to show up, but a lot of it is around fiber education, just fiber awareness, connections, the, the literal like threads of community and color and plant mm-hmm. and water and, you know, animal, all the things that, that really. Keep. I
0: threads of community. That's that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot here, absolutely. Yeah. Um. And you do do some educational work with yeah. kids in the valley and and others.
1: Yeah. And we uh, through the Fibershed group, we did like a, a, a indigo dive at for the community and just like getting projects like that out. So. There's access. People bring their white clothing and leave with a new garment. Um, <laughs> a but yeah, I've I've just worked a little with the the students at Nifsis, um, dyeing their wool that where they then are going to knit their socks or mittens and just really you know mm, nice. connecting the dots. It's mm-hmm. really it's exciting to see if adults and children alike. It's a it's a real light bulb moment to. Uh, just see it in action and and even as I learn you know I'm wowed constantly by the the depth of color that can be achieved and just um it's not subtle light browns and yellows right there's this whole mm-hmm. investigation of color to be done and how to um, and make art with that you know yeah Blasting it just art.
0: opens your mind to all kinds of possibilities as a as a kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, great. We've got a caller. Um, It's Melanie on the line, and she has a question about the fixative for Mm -hmm. you, Kate. Hi, Melanie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Yeah, um, I was curious to know, is there a fixative needed or something so that the dye stays or sticks to the clothes so that when you wash it, it doesn't wash out? And if there is a fixative needed, is there a natural one that you can
1: collect from the forest? The best question, really, because it's like the most important part. So the fixative would be uh, probably more properly called the mordant, mordanting process in natural dyes. Mm -hmm. So in what we call the adjective dyes requiring the mordant, you need to use um, or most commonly used are alum uh, alum salts. You can get them for canning in like the canning section for like commonly pickled uh, watermelon rinds is where I've seen it. but it, so it is still a mined aluminum salt, um, and then iron would be another one. So rusty metal, you can make your own solution in vinegar and water. Um, the metal acts as a binder. It, it's actually the origins of the word are to mean to bite in Latin. So it's really the thing that locks the color to the fiber, uh, you know, on a chemical level, chem, um, yeah, chemistry, you mm-hmm. know, m- molecules binding. Um, so I explored using sumac leaves, um, the staghorn sumac, this summer as a a pre-mordant, and that gave really nice depth to color, but certainly there are recipes that don't require the metal mordants, but these are kind of the things that are kept real safely in um indigenous cultures one and um in some cases can require like 20 different steps of blood milk urine i mean there's like incredible like amounts of you know uh, historical knowledge that that from the the way that i have learned it's been from a very chemistry oriented um recipe based kind of european lineage um so I don't know, mordanting being the key and you can cool. start just to yeah, simplify that rusty nails and a vinegar solution or alum salts, you make a bath um, of water and put the fibers in that. You can find real simple recipes online and then you're just basically taking that mordanted fiber and putting it into the, the tea that you've made, the infusion of the plant into water um, at its basic level.
0: <laughs>
2: wow. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. thank
0: you yeah thanks Thanks for your call melanie yeah very interesting yeah thanks for for listening okay bye bye yeah that's a process there and when you go back into the history to think of what things they must have used it's almost like there was a little bit of a ritual to it as well yeah yeah
1: absolutely yeah
2: and
0: they were just playing around too i mean
1: right (laughs) Right, it looks different but yeah yeah that's
2: the you know, they were saying, ah, let's try this. No, let's try that. And Certainly. Yeah. You know, whatever yeah. materials were around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you keep a good journal then, Kate? It's, I bet you've got all kinds of recipes. <laughs> <laughs> Your recipe box must be something. Uh, yes.
1: I Gosh, I wish I could say that I have. I'm definitely more than, like, just a whimsical, like, yeah. what? Because there have been things that have died, and, I, you know, it's just like, wow, that's extraordinary, but... Um, there's so much text out there. I just have, actually, there's so many books to work from. Yeah, you're just having fun. I know if I follow the recipes, I'll it'll be achieved. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of it is just exploring. Gosh, the um, the plant printing is so fun just mm. to do, like in the high country. I did a bit of that this summer where you just can print the tannins in the plants actually, like release in this specific process. And it, it just like leaves an image of the the plants you steam in a bundle um
0: oh wow so that's just, a
1: whole nother element of it exactly mm-hmm. they just other yeah the play of it the, the unexpected wow
0: yeah fascinating
1: yeah
2: so what's the process on the indigo oh,
0: which is yeah. blues yeah different shades of blue
1: yeah and in indigo it, great to ask about that because it is different it's um doesn't require a mordant i meant to say this to melanie but basically um Indigo has a, an oxygen suspension component where you... So after you process the indigo, you can make it available in water by reducing it with lime and fructose in the way that I was taught, just in its real, um, like, least toxic way, uh, because there's other ways to prepare indigo vat. But then it doesn't require any pre-mordanting. any mordanting. You can just dye right into the vat. Um, and actually, indigo grown fresh has this really magical thing that has all the properties just right in the plant. If you process it with cold water and salt, and it will give that same blue. Mm, wow. So indigo is, for a good reason, you know, has been revered by many cultures all over the world. Um, just, and and then the more times you put it through that process, it deepens the blue. So it's not like the length you oh, put wow. it in there. But like if you see a deep shade of blue, it's been dyed maybe 70, 80 times in you know, just the repetition. Keep and the, on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The, yeah, the ritual, like you are saying. Yeah. There's a lot there.
0: That's gorgeous.
1: Yeah.
0: What about the amount of plant that you need to use in yeah. order to achieve the dye? Is that different with every color or every plant? Or how does
1: that <clears throat> work? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I also noted on most of these, like a ratio of what plant to um, mm. mm-hmm. uh, cloth material or to, you know, the ratio there. So, like, for example, the dyer's chamomile is so great, it's prolific, but it takes a long time to harvest, and you have to water it, grow it. Like, rabbit brush is really prolific. It's growing on the sides of the roads. (laughs) And to me is, like, a real, it's my favorite yellow. So it's just really relative. There's a lot of dye material Mm -hmm. it takes to the ratio of fiber weight to plant material. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, And in cultivation, like... um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Horton had grown a, a good row of the indigo this year and just exploring, you know, what are viable plant dye crops out here. Yeah, before you
0: harvest. before you get to that actual uh, yeah. dyeing and yeah. the recipe on the back, you've got a lot of work to do. The cultivation and yeah. I'm, I'm sure the harvesting mm-hmm. yeah. can be quite yeah. a lot of work.
1: Yeah, the indigo harvest is really fun. It goes into a big vat and um, and then you add lime, aerate it, and then you come out with this blue, like just, you know, extraordinary blue paste from the leaves. It's not the flowers. A lot of people think that, but it's, wow. yeah, wow. it's just
0: Can you store the dye, or does it have... Oh,
1: really? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't bring any in, but, um, yeah, I have some that's from two years ago. And then there's a whole other layer of paint. Paint and pigment that can be made from all of these can be translated into um, what's called a lake pigment. And this is actually when I learned about (laughs) natural dyes. I took a course on this, which was way ahead. But now I'm finally catching up in my understanding of it to translate a lot of these into, yeah, to paint. Wow. So Pigment. okay,
2: you have you have the different dyes <laughs> uh-huh. and different colors. Yep. Can you mix them and come up with other colors?
1: Yeah, and this is where like mm. the primary colors uh, again. This place I, I went to France when I first learned to under just uh, you know learn about natural dyes, and um, they of course they're like studying this <laughs> in a in a more concerted way, and they're focusing on the the primary colors. And so from the primary colors, you can Mm -hmm. really achieve any color um, in the right formulation. And that's a lot of what some of these restorations around textiles um, that Mm. I was understanding at the time, they were trying to do it in the same way, and they found a lot of it was just using the really color-fast primary colors. Interesting. Um, yeah.
2: Tell us about your handkerchief or kerchief.
1: Oh yeah, this is like a if you can imagine a really deep shade of purple, um, and it can go even deeper. In fact, a really cool thing about this dye is called logwood. It's the heartwood of a tree, uh, it grows down in um, Australia, more tropical places, but they use it on suture thread because it's non-toxic. But you know that real deep dark um, color on suture thread. I think mm-hmm. still to this day. So they can find them, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it gives beautiful shades of purple, and um, that purple associated with like royalty at certain points, and I'm sure many other things in other cultures. Um, but another kind of fun thing about purple, which isn't limited to plants, but um, it's called Murex, and it was the ink from a, a shell, again, in like the south of France. And that you can still go and find heaps of shells that were like harvested for this purple purpose to get this deep shade of purple, and how these colors were associated with so many things in in history the
2: well the murex did they want the animal
1: no they wanted the ink that the animal produced which was the most it was the okay. royal purple okay. yeah okay yeah because
2: murex there's plenty oh. there's i know a few there's a pink murex and a striped murex which is out on in the pacific
1: oh okay yeah, yeah this is like a purple kind of stripe on uh, mm-hmm. you know i don't know what they did with the actual yeah. animal, but no. yeah incredible colors yeah, it's <laughs> incredible and when you
0: talk about France and just different parts of the world it's yeah. almost like this image of this map of colors mm. comes up for you know mm-hmm. the plants that are available <clears throat> I think it's fascinating that this was all happening naturally and we of course got away from it and yeah. now it's being unburied and thank you for all the work you're doing with <laughs> oh, that yeah. that's, oh, gosh. my
1: pleasure yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah
0: I think the connection um, that you're showcasing local plants from the valley, and you're a Colorado girl, yeah. so um, I think that you've been in, this is your stomping grounds, isn't it, Kate?
1: It is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 so she knows the area, knows the plants, and um, knows what's natural, and I think mm-hmm. that's great. It kind of fits with all the organic gardening um, up at Matt Springer's, and he's growing plants for her at that's uh, Gray Owl Farm.
2: Yeah, Gray Owl Farms. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had a nice tour up there in the spring matter root now this is a perennial you said this is just two years old
1: that one yeah Yeah.
2: and usually it's a three-year-old plant
1: when you start harvesting for root yeah but actually I learned the the tops die too it's like beautiful coral shade okay it's like wow ready to go yeah
0: do you uh do any um educational things or how can we find out more about what you do
1: yeah um The best place will be, as we're developing it, the Fibershed website, which is currently up but just doesn't have any, um, like, workshops posted. But it's WSFibershed.com. Okay. And, yeah, that will will showcase some upcoming, probably spring and summer events.
0: Right. So you can make room (laughs) in your calendar for this. Yeah. Yeah. This looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Okay, Kate Linehan from Return to the Land here in Paonia, um, just bringing magic of natural dyes and natural fabrics. It
2: brings uh, up more questions.
0: It does. It just, <laughs> just I want to take a class right now. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Yeah, thank you guys. We look forward me. to following you. So, <laughs> yeah. we'll be back next week talking Hugo culture on mm-hmm. As the Worm Turns. So, thanks for listening to K V N F. All
2: right, have a good evening.
0: I don't know who you took a shine to or who you're about to make a sign to I gotta get that I love so low little and low